Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 67 of the Box Hard Podcast, number 67. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined this week by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Same as always, my friend. Very good. So we're going to dive straight into part one. Part one is the review part where we review the fights from last week. If you've joined us before, you will know that already. So we're going to start with a card that was televised on Terrestrial TV, um, ITV. I believe it was ITV4. Uh, this one took place over in the Guild Hall in Preston, Lancashire, United Kingdom. Um, in no particular order, I'm just going to mention a couple of the fight results here. Robbie Davies Jr., who's a real talented fighter, um, one that has been linked with uh, the likes of O'Hara Davies, which obviously, you know, both having the same surname, it would be a good fight, that one. Both undefeated. Robbie Davies Jr., actually. Knocked out his opponent, his opponent Zoltan Cesarbo, who, you know, he's got a record of 13 and 3. Um, he lost as well to O'Hara Davis. He gave him quite a good fight while it lasted. It was um, a little too competitive, to be honest. Uh, Robbie Davis Jr., to be honest, it was most um, mostly one-way traffic throughout that one. But it was a good fight in, in, in spurts, you know. And as I say, Robbie Davis Jr. gets a good knockout in round nine. So he proceeds now to 15-0. and uh, Fantastic there. And also, um, you know, he's a WBA Continental Super Lightweight Champion. So great stuff there for Robbie Davis Jr. Also on that card. A man who got a, well, it was a bit of a controversial decision win over a guest who was on our show last week, uh, Mr. John Ryder. So Jack Armfield was on this card, 22-2. and He picked up a TKO in round 11 over his opponent, Mick Hall, who had a record of 13-1. and Jack Armfield retained his WBA International Middleweight Championship in good fashion. Uh, the bout was halted between rounds as well because Hall... Had uh, you know, Hall, the opponent of Armfield, suffered a large swelling to the forehead, so uh, and it really swelled up as well. It, it was pretty horrible. So um, you know, we don't like to see sights like that too often. But a good win there for Jack Armfield. Also on that bill, Zach Parker moved to ten and zero with a TKO in round four. His opponent Bradley Price actually announced his retirement following the defeat. Uh, so that means that Bradley Price will finish with a record of 38 wins and 22 losses in a 60-fight career. So good stuff for him. Also on the bill, undefeated heavyweight Nick Webb. He moves to double figures now, 10-0 for him. His opponent was knocked out via uh, TKO in the third round. His opponent had a winning record of 6-2. and two. His name was Chris Healy. So Nick Webb now 10-0, as I said. And Atif Shafiq was also on this bill. He actually suffered a... Well, I'm going to say it was an upset. It wasn't, you know, it was a it was a shock loss. He actually got TKO'd in the first round. It was scheduled for six, and it was a big knockout as well. It really was a bit of, you know, questionable matchmaking here. Um, Atif Shafiq took on a guy who was five and zero with four knockouts, undefeated. Um, you know, Eastern European, and he came over here and just done the business on him. Simple as that. I don't know what you know what that was all about. It was a bit of a. Um, I'm sure they could have found possibly. An opponent who a may have been a little bit, you know, less of a risk, or they may have known a little bit more about him, uh, or even someone. If it was going to be a risky fight, get someone in who we may actually have heard of. You know, this guy has just come over here and done the business, and he flies back to Eastern Europe. And Atif Shafiq here got to go back to the drawing board. Sixteen and two, his record now. He's not had a great time at mixing it when he's moved up in in level a little bit. So. Uh, we wish Atif Shafiq all the best anyway. Uh, that's really it for the UK. We're now going to go over to the Sun National Bank Centre in Trenton, New Jersey. One fight to mention on this bill. Um, well, he's still, I suppose he's going to be a legend. He's going to be a, a Hall of Famer, I'd imagine, for sure. 
He was out of the ring for three years, and he returned with a spectacular TKO in round two over Jorge Luis Mangula. Jorge Luis Mangula had a record of 12 and 7. He's now 12 and 8. And Zab Judah, the old cat, moves to 43 professional wins. Of course, he's got the nine losses, but a great win there for Zab Judah. He looked pretty good. Uh, as I say, it was only a two round. Um, contest in the end, it was scheduled for 10, it didn't need any of those rounds, but Zab Judah looked pretty good, you know, he really did, and I know that, you know, it's, you know, why is he really still boxing, he hasn't got anything else to prove, he's been world champion multiple times, but I tell you what, he put in a good account of himself there, it has to be said. Uh, another fight to mention over the weekend, this one was also in the USA, this one was in San Antonio, Texas, at the Alzafar Shrine. Never even heard of that venue, but I like it. Brian Vera moved to 25 wins. He's, um, you know, he's not the best opponent in the world. You know, he's not the best fighter in the world, but he is a man that we must mention. He's been in a few big fights, so he proceeds to 25 wins. Of course, he's got 11 losses. He picked up a TKO in round two as well. His opponent was Larry Smith with a record of 10 and 31. So a decent win there for Brian Vera. So his year starts on a high. Um, that's really it for the meaningful fights that happened last week. That's really it. There wasn't too much on. So, um, Ayaz, what I'm going to do now is I want to bring you in with the news now because um, we're going to leave a few little bits to part two. Part two, we will begin with the uh, the preview part. And then there's also a funny name fighter segment w w that we haven't done for a long time, and we're going to bring it back on this week's show because I've gone through the names and there is some seriously uh, good contenders here. So, Ayers, please come in with this week's news. Nicola Adams has signed a professional contract with Frank Warren. Yes, this is um, it's a good move. You know, it is a good move. A lot of people are dismissive of women boxing. You know, I myself am not the biggest fan of it, but I do definitely think that. You know, women should be given uh, an equal playing field in a sport, in any sport really. You know, whether it be football or soccer for our American viewers or, or boxing, you know, mixed martial arts, anything like that. They should be given a level playing field. It's only right. We've seen Eddie Hearn bring in women's boxing. He's been pushing that for a short while with, you know, linking up with Katie Taylor, who's a fantastic talent. And, you know, the, the arch rival of Eddie Hearn is Frank Warren, which we all know, and he's decided to go and do pretty much the same thing with another fantastic um, athlete, a fantastic female athlete, and also, you know, a gold medalist from the Olympics, so it's, it's brilliant, you know, I remember how good she did in, um, in 2012 in the Olympics and also in 2016, so she's been a fantastic flag bearer for our nation, and um, I'm actually excited, I've, I've took a like to Nicola Adams ever since she, you know, impressed me at the 2012 Olympics in London, and I've been a fan of her ever since, to be honest, you know, I think she's a great person, I've seen her on a lot of, um, you know, TV shows and game shows and stuff, and she's got a great sense of humour, so it seems, so I'm actually really interested for this, I really, I really am, you know, Katie Taylor's unbelievably talented, but um, Nicola Adams is really good too, so this is going to be, it's, it's exciting, it really is, I, I can say I'm actually excited for both um, the the two women that are in the spotlight right now, Katie Taylor and Nicola Adams, I'm excited for both of their futures. So um, yeah, I'm going to definitely myself, along with uh, along with you guys and and the rest of us, we should all you know look out for these for these women because they're doing you know they're putting it all on the line just like the men are. Mm -hmm. Josh Warrington will be fighting in Leeds on 13th of May. Yes, Josh Warrington. Obviously, we know that he previously left Eddie Hearn. Um, not too long ago now, and he signed with Frank Warren. Uh, he was one of Eddie Hearn's biggest ticket sellers, if not the or if not the biggest ticket seller. Uh, you know, we all know that Eddie Hearn likes a ticket seller, and you know, in Leeds, he is an absolute superstar. You know, so yeah, I think it was a bit of a blow for Eddie Hearn when he signed with Frank Warren. But Eddie Hearn's got so much talent on his books right now that um, you know, obviously, Josh Warrington felt that he'd have better time or better success with uh, with Frank Warren so you know there's nothing wrong with that and yeah I, I'm, I'm excited for this one I, I really am you know I think that Frank Warren with BT Sport he's definitely you know he's, he's, he's opened a new venture he's in, into boxing now and um, I'm excited for what the future holds the only thing I was a bit annoyed about was that we've got to wait that long you know May is still well it's just just under four months away so you know it is it is quite a long wait, 
you know, he's been out of the ring now, uh, Josh Warrington, by the time the fight comes around, he's been out of the ring for quite a long time, so, uh, yeah, I'm excited for it, but I just wish it was a little bit sooner, that's all I can say about that one. Mitchell Smith is to fight a rematch against George Jupp on 6th of May. Yes, obviously, you know, George Jupp just came in there against uh, against Mitchell Smith, and he caused a huge upset, he really did, I remember that night, uh, Mitchell Smith just could not get away from George Jupp's jab, you know, it was, he just couldn't get round that jab, he really couldn't, so, you know, obviously, Jupp came into that fight, as I say, as a challenger, as the underdog, got the win, and then he ended up going out to South America, I remember when he just, like, that win kind of, like, threw him straight into a interim WBO World Super Featherweight title fight, and he fought against Miguel Burchelt, who's a fantastic fighter, uh, as we know, you know, a real banger as well, and obviously he got TKO'd in that fight, uh, it was it was all too much, you know, he was down, I think it was three times in that fight, three or four times, and, um, you know, he was he was in too deep. But yeah, it was just he was just marching on from that from that win over Mitchell Smith. He just kept marching on, and uh, yeah, it was a little bit too soon for him that world title fight. But Mitchell Smith, as I say, on the night he, on the night he just couldn't do enough. He, he was terrible, to be completely honest. And I think that he won't disagree with that. Although on the scorecards it was very very close. There was like a round in it, you know. So it was it was very um, uh, generous judging in favour of Mitchell Smith, but he still lost, and that was the right verdict. So he gets his rematch. Um, obviously, they fought in December of 2015, so it's been quite a while now, but the only thing that worries me is Mitchell Smith has only had the one fight since, and it was against a guy who had a record of 7-4. and four. Uh, That was obviously in October of last year. So he was out the ring for 10 months, and now by the time the fight comes round, it would have been another seven months. So it would have mean that he has only had, you know, one fight in seventeen months, and it's against a guy who's got a record of seven and four. You know, seven and four. It's a winning record. But let's be honest, he's a journeyman. George Jupp, on the other hand, on the other hand, he's had two fights since that since that fight. One fight was a good win over Jordan Ellison, and the other fight, as I say, was in uh, in Mexico. You know, for a world title, which he went six rounds with the champion. So. You know, the experience, again, the inactivity is, it could play a factor here. I mean, George Jupp, although he's only had two fights in the 17-month period, which it will be when fight night comes around, he's mixed it at a much higher level in that time than Mitchell Smith has done his whole career. So, this could play a factor. It's definitely, you know, it's definitely piqued my interest. But um, I hope that Mitchell Smith can get the job done to right that wrong, because we know he's a good fighter. We've seen him link up uh, recently with Adam Booth. I'm excited to see, you know, how that how that works when when they're in there against these these better, the, you know, the, the better opposition. So yeah, I'm definitely going to keep my eyes peeled on that one. Tommy Langford will fight Craig Cunningham on April 22nd. Yes, uh, Tommy Langford, obviously, you know, this is the first defense of his British title, the title that Chris Eubank Jr. vacated. So, um, you know, Tommy Langford, he wanted that fight with Eubank Jr. And, you know, he didn't get it. Um, as I say, he's now the champion. This is his first defense, and he's taking on Craig Cunningham. Craig Cunningham, the man who got a shock win over Anthony Ogogo just recently. So, you know, that is, even though Ogogo just didn't seem himself that night, <laughs> Everything that Agogo threw, Craig Cunningham had an answer for and more. So I think this is a tough first defence for Tommy Langford, but we know he's a good fighter. Um, it's, it's an intriguing fight. It's another great fight that Frank has announced, you know. I'm, I'm looking forward to this to this Box Nation slash BT Sports schedule. I really am. Uh, Liam Smith will fight uh, Liam Williams on April the 8th. Yes, uh, this one is really the best of all the announcements that Frank Warren has, has announced this week. We know that he's announced a lot of things, um, you know, to do with the schedule, and this one is the fight that I'm looking forward to most. A lot of people criticised Box Nation at first. A lot of people said that they wouldn't last long, and they've done brilliant. You know, they've smashed it. I'm a, I'm a proud uh, subscriber to Box Nation. Um, yeah, the international stuff they do is fantastic. Now they're embarking on a new chapter here with BT Sport, as I've said before, um, yeah, great fights that I've seen announced, and I'm looking forward to this one just more than any of the others. You know, this is a great fight. Uh, Liam Smith, a, a good fighter. You know, even though he lost 
convincingly against Canelo and got stopped. He he's still a good fighter, man. He, he's a good fighter. He's he's very underrated. I think because he's the only Smith brother with Frank Warren, and the other three Smith brothers are with uh, Eddie Hearn, which you know his fighters do tend to become bigger stars. It's just the way it's been up until now. We may see a change with BT Sport involved now. So yeah, yeah, it's a great fight. Liam Williams, obviously a Welsh boy, he's um, undefeated as well, he's looking brilliant, he had a fantastic year last year, 2016, and um, I think it's a brilliant fight, it could be the right timing for Liam Williams, or, you know, if Liam Smith turns up on his A game, I think he could win it, it's, it's a real tough fight, I cannot wait to see that one, I truly can't. Badu Jack has vacated his WBC World Super Middleweight title. Yes, we talked about this last week, and actually by the time the show went out, he'd already vacated it. But we'd already recorded the show, um, you know, and, and by the time it was posted, it had already been vacated. So it was bad timing for us last week. We knew about it, but we've chose, you know, this was the next time that we're going to be putting the show out. So we thought that we'd have to talk about it on this week's show. Uh, Badu Jack's obviously moving up to light heavyweight. So the WBC title will be vacant. Well, it is vacant currently, talking to you now. And, um, yeah, it really looks like Callum Smith will be fighting... Anthony Durrell for that belt so you know that's going to be a good fight and we'll 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 listen out for a, for an announcement on that one it's a great fight it's um it's it's a bit of a 50-50 in my opinion some some especially in in the United States I know that the favorite over there would be Anthony Durrell without a doubt David Hay has joined up with Richard Schaefer yes they they formed some sort of um new promotional banner We've seen David Hay, you know, involved as a promoter in a few different boxers' careers before, and we know that, you know, Richard Schaefer was really, you know, the the front runner of Golden Boy Boxing until some sort of, you know, behind the scenes argument or or whatever happened between him and Oscar De La Hoya. Uh, they parted ways, Oscar De La Hoya, seeing as he was, you know, the, the main man in charge of Golden Boy, the, you know, the main man uh, behind the company. He's obviously stayed with the company. Richard Schaefer decided to, to walk, and um, he's been quiet for a couple of years. You know, no one's seen him. And then all of a sudden, he pops up in London with a press conference, and him and David Hay are working together now for what they're going to be calling uh, Haymaker Ringstar Promotions. So... They're saying, I've seen an interview with David Hay, they're saying that basically, you know, they're going to try to to sign fighters that are basically just like David Hay. Ones with, um, you know, big personas, um, slightly controversial, I suppose, big names, um, not just young, undefeated fighters with potential to be world champions. They're looking at those fighters as well, but they're also looking at fighters who have been world champions, fighters that we, you know, that we know of, fighters that are household names, not just in the UK, but also in the US, and they're going to be fighting over in the UK, so, you know, we've seen David Hay sort of work with various different promoters, um, all, not always to avow, we've seen, do you remember when he came back for the first fight against Mark DeMory, he, he'd signed a promotional contract with the, the, those two brothers, the Salter brothers, which... You know, I bet loads of our listeners will remember them. I mean, what happened to them? They just completely vanished off the face of the earth. I actually was out in London not that long ago, a few months back. Uh, I was going to a birthday party, and I actually saw them, you know, the Salter Brothers, coming out of an underground um, tube station. Uh, you know, I haven't seen them since the David Hay, the David Hay fight. They just jumped straight in a black taxi, and that was it. And I, I probably won't see him again. What you know, what happened there? It obviously didn't go too well. The the event looked like a success, but there's been no mention at all. And I'd love to know what even happened. You know, why did they part ways? Nothing has been said about it. So he joins up with Richard Schaefer. Richard Schaefer is a man who knows the boxing business inside out. You know, as I say, his success with Golden Boy. You know, you cannot knock that. It was it was fantastic. They became the number one uh, boxing promotional team in the world. Let's be honest. So, you know, David Hay won't be able to to pull any moves here. I don't. I'm not saying that he would, but I'm saying that the Salter brothers clearly had no idea about boxing. You know, the boxing business. It's a hard one to, to you know to 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 reap success in. But you know, this is. This is going to be interesting. This is going to be interesting. And really, I think it's Richard Schaefer more the pusher here than, than David Hay. I think Richard Schaefer wants to have a crack at the UK market, especially now while the boxing's booming. Thank you to 
you know, our very own British promoters for that reason that the boxing is booming over here. But he's going to have a crack over here, and, you know, it's, it's definitely brilliant for British boxing fans. It really is. It means that we're going to have guys from the other side of the water, you know, America and, and perhaps Mexico, perhaps, and those fighters will be fighting over here. So it's great. We're going to hopefully have some household names coming over to the UK. And it's going to be interesting to see what events that they're going to put on. I know that at the moment there's been no established broadcaster. We've got no idea what channel it's going to be on. Um, you know, ITV are doing their thing with the Eubanks. Um, you know, Sky with Eddie Hearn. BT Sport and Box Nation with Frank Warren. Channel 5 seem like they don't want to know any boxing at the moment. Same for BBC. Dave, you know... Who knows what's going to happen here, but uh, one thing that we should remember is a lot of people have noticed that Chris Eubank Jr. and David Hay are certainly hanging out a lot across social media, and I wouldn't be surprised to see some sort of partnership, some sort of um, Eubank uh, possibly getting involved in David Hay's thing, so that could be interesting, that could be interesting. Again, just because two people take a picture together every now and then doesn't mean that they're going to start doing business together, but that is definitely one to keep an eye on. It could be yet another promoter stamped on the resume of Chris Eubank Jr.'s career. You know, he's been with everyone, so why not? But um, no, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I'm very excited to see what they can bring to the British public. I really am. And finally, Lawrence Ocoli has, has turned professional with Eddie Hearn. Yes, a man who went into the amateurs really with, well, not much experience at all and did really, really well. You know, he came up against a fantastic fighter, obviously, you know, the guy who ended up going on to win the bronze medal. So, um, Lawrence Ocoli's a guy that, yeah, you know, he went in there, he went in there with virtually, well, not virtually no experience, but so little experience. I think he's only had about 20 something fights and he's turned pro already. So, um, to go out there, with, with that little experience under your belt, to go out there in Rio, put it all on the line and fight for your country. You know, not just fight for boxing fans, but fight for the nation. Fight for, for, for Britain, you know, be a part of Team GB. You know, he's got to be commended for that. So, um, for me, I'm a big fan of his. I know that he's very, very close with Anthony Joshua. Just recently, there was a lot of rumours that he'd knocked Anthony Joshua down or knocked Anthony Joshua out in sparring. Obviously, you know, he's very noble. He's he's basically said that, you know, he's not going to talk about any of that. I don't think he, he confirmed nor denied, but we all know the old rule, you know, sparring, it all stays in the gym. What happens in the gym stays in the gym. So, yeah, Lawrence Okoli is a guy who... We're going to see him obviously turn pro with Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn, very, very good at moving his fighters. You know, everybody knows that. And, yeah, it's another Olympian for his stable. He seems to like picking up these Olympians, and they always have done pretty well, apart from uh, Luke Campbell, who's hit a couple of blunders at the moment. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I definitely wish Lawrence Okoli all the best. You know, I'm a good fighter uh, from from London as well. So, uh, yeah, all the best to Lawrence Okoli. Definitely try to get him on this show very soon. And that's it for the news. Okay, I as top man. Brilliant stuff. So, as I say there, part one, we spoke about the reviewing. We spoke about the fights from last week. Uh, just before we ended the discussions, all the talking that me and Ayaz do, we talked about the news. Ayaz brought us in with some glamorous news from this week's Boxing World. Before we end part one, there's one last thing to do, and that, of course, is to welcome our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our first guest. It's none other than Mr. Jamel Herring. Jamel, welcome back on the show. Hey, it's good to be back, man. It's good to be back. Excellent stuff, man. The pleasure's mine. Now, Jamel, we spoke to you just after your last fight, which obviously didn't go to plan for you. Uh, we haven't spoke to you for 29 weeks. What have you been up to in all this time out, and how excited are you to return to the ring in February? Oh, well, you know, I, I took some time off, you know, just to recover, you know, get my mind together. But um, overall, you know, for those um, those 29 weeks, I've just been, you know, enjoying time with the family because I've been busy the whole, you know, for the majority of 2016 in terms of training camps and working out. So, you know, after the um, the Shavikov fight, I just took some time off, you know, enjoyed, you know, work, um, ha working with the family, you know, having time, having a great time with the family, enjoying the holidays, Christmas, New Year's was great. Um, but since then, you know, I've been right back in the gym, getting ready for the new, you know, getting ready to um, make a statement in this new year. And I've got to ask you, how has camp gone so far? 
And um, has the loss given you some added hunger? You know, some people say you learn more from a loss than you do from a win sometimes. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, the, the loss to me was, um, was, was, was actually a, a great lesson in my career in terms of where I need to be at on that level. You know, so um, I took a lot out of that fight. You know, I didn't take it as a negative thing. I mean, of course, we all want to win, but, you know, sometimes you could take positive out of a negative situation. So, you know, that, that loss is just like, like you pointed out, it just made me hungrier, and I'm just anxious to get back in the ring. Absolutely. And last time out, obviously... The loss you suffered your first loss to Denis Shafikov. Uh, he went on to face Richard Comey. I wanted to ask you, did you manage to see that fight at all? Um, I, I didn't get to really catch it, but I, you know, I, you know, you know, I read everything that goes on in the boxing world. So you know, I read a lot of reviews on the fight. Um, I heard from a lot of um different people out there how the fight went, and um, you know, I, I congratulate him. And um, as we know now, he's he's um set to fight. Basically, my um my brother Robert Easter Jr. and um I think that's gonna be a great fight and like you know no hard feelings I I wish him all the success in the world but um like I said I um I, I appreciate him for um giving me a chance to share the ring with him and you know I just wish him the best in the future. Yeah, and we should also point out that today is uh, Robert Easter Jr.'s birthday, so a little happy birthday. Yes, yes, yeah. That, well, I, I, I wish him happy birthday earlier today. Excellent, man, <laughs> excellent. And um, you're fighting on the 10th of February on the same bill as Robert Easter and also uh, Roche Warren. Obviously, you said that you've got your opponent now. It's a guy that, that fought Diego Magdaleno last out in October. Yes, um, Ar, I believe it is pronounced Arhu Venetian. Hard to pronounce, but yeah, um, yeah, tough, 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 rugged guy. Um, if, if you've been following my pro progress in the last couple of months, I've been, I've been having a lot of um, issues getting guys willing to fight. Um, I, I, they asked me to fight Miguel Vasquez, you know, former IBF world champion. Um, that didn't go, that didn't go together. Then they asked me to fight Ivan Redcatch, who's basically been calling me out for the longest. And then once we had the opportunity to get in the ring together. He backed out and instead um he's fighting on the um Leo Santa Cruz car, Frank McCarr, which is gonna be a which is an, another great card I'm looking forward to watching. But um yeah, he stepped out but he's fighting on that card obviously. Um they wanted they asked if I would fight if I would fight Edna Cherry. I I agreed to it. Um he actually agreed to it but we just couldn't um he wanted me to um basically come down to one thirty and for a fight coming back I didn't think, you know, that was the right move. So we just, you know, moved on from that fight. But yeah, man, it's been a lot of ups and downs. But like as you as you see, a lot, a lot of good names that I was willing to fight. You know, even for a, a comeback fight. You know, with a lot of good names, but I just couldn't get them to get in the ring with me. You know, when you say um, you know names were put forward to you, is this names that Al Heyman's come up with? Oh yeah, of course. If you really really like um, pay attention to that, you obviously know um, those guys are actually you know under the same umbrella. Um, Al advises all of us for the most part. And um, that was the whole plan. You know, if you, if you heard rumors in the beginning of the year, you know, the, the, the plan was that Al was going to start matching up fighters that he's advising against each other, which I had no problem. But as you see, most of the, um, the fighters in, in, around my weight class, they, um, they didn't want to um, basically get in the ring. So now we have this step outside of the box, you know, to go find an opponent. But um, I'm, just, I'm just happy just to basically get back in there but, and, and hopefully get back on track where, where, where I, I believe that I belong to. And Ivan Redcatch, obviously, you know, I've seen him in there against Tevin Farmer. Uh, that was that was a good fight, to be honest. Tevin Farmer's obviously very talented. Yeah, um, yeah that'd be a great fight for yourself, I, I believe, to find out, you know, to find that'll tell you a lot. If you can get a good win over him, that definitely speaks for itself. Um, exactly. I do want to ask you this. You've been matched with, with um, this guy that I won't, again, I won't take a stab at his, uh, his name. I can't. <laughs> I'm not going to try, but um, he's he's actually even though he's, he's he's a hard name to pronounce, he's he's a good fighter. You know, he's been in there, he's mixed it with some with some good guys, uh, as you said, Magdaleno, yeah. a good fighter. Um, what do you know about him aside from his his very uh, hard to pronounce name? Um, I, I I've seen him fight before, and I know he you know he come he comes to fight. You know, he, he may not have the he's um actually um Armenian um national champ amateur champion. Um, I know he. I know he comes to fight. He may not have the best technique, but he, he's going to be basically there in your face. You know, I'm trying to make it a rough fight, any 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 possible chance to get. So you know, it's it's, it's a good test. It's, it's going to give you some um, some some good rounds, some good works. Like I said, he's never been knocked out, so he's a, he's a durable fighter. But um, like I said, I, I'm just willing to go in there and fight. You know, whoever they put in front of me and uh, and, and get that W by any means.
And uh, the last time I'm going to mention this now, obviously, you know, fighting Shefakov in your last fight, um, that was a step up from the previous opponents that you'd taken on at that stage. Uh, you've obviously had time to regroup. I know that you're in this boxing game for the big fights. I was going to ask you, yeah. um, when were you going to go at that same type of opponent? But I think you've kind of answered it already. This is this is a guy, as I say, he's mixed it in a decent level. He's maybe a tiny, like, fringe under... The uh, the level of yeah. of Shafikov, oh, yeah, this of is a guy of as course. you say he comes to fight. He's in, he's a, a type of fighter that's going to bring the fight and, and and you know try and sort of jump all over you. So that is a perfect opponent that you need. Um, com- you know, coming off of a loss like that to, to get back exactly, um, exactly. Because after you know, after the Shafikov fight, I spoke with Al Heyman. You know, we we um, he still believes he still believes a lot in me and a lot in my talent. So we came up with a game plan. And one thing I pointed out, you know, I, I never wanted to be baby. I never wanted to take the, you know, the easy route because I believe if you take an easy route all the way, all the way to the top, once you get to the top, you're going to be, you know, you're not going to be prepared. So I want to take those fights that's going to continue making me grow as I go along. So when I get back to that level, you know, I know how to handle it in, in, a, in a better situation. Yeah, of course. And would you be searching for that um, that rematch? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> that just that that just you know the fighter in me you know I um I don't I, you know I don't really care for the whole trying to be the perfect record in this but I was want to basically test myself against the best out there and um you know I'm um I always I always told myself as as a, as a fighter and I, and I always been honest with myself you know before I get to that level I want to earn it though I want to before I get back up there I want to earn it you know I want to fight the guys like you know the Mikey Garcias and you know. Shabakov um, again and guys at that level, but I know as a fighter I have to earn it and I have to prove that I belong at that level. So you know I'm taking the now I'm taking the right precautions to get back to that level. But like I said, I don't want to be those guys that's that's been handed everything the easy way. You know I want to earn everything I get. Yeah, of course, of course. And I must ask you about a fight happening this weekend. I know that you said that you were interested in, in the whole bill. Um, I'm sure it's got your attention. Uh, Zlatikanin against against Mikey Garcia for the WBC lightweight world title. Obviously, Zlatikanin, the champion. A lot of people writing yeah. him off. But as I... As I'm much not. As, as much as much as I love Mikey Garcia, you know this is uh, this is a closer fight than people think because obviously you know Garcia's been inactive. He's only had the one fight since he's come back. Zlatikanin's got a lot of momentum at the minute. He's he's just going through everyone. How do you see it going, Jamil? Man, that that you know why I'm looking at that fight very closely because you know with both those guys being out him and fighters, I had to be you know I had to be realistic and say you know. I could end up eventually seeing one of those guys down the road, and you know, and like uh, you know, Dijon is like basically like another Shabakov, but probably more aggressive. So I have to like you know, I, I have to like you know, I'm looking at this guy as like you know, I don't think he's um a, a walkover. I mean, yeah, Mikey Garcia may be the favorite because of his past history and the things he's done, but you know, um, this guy's hungry, and um, I think it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough fight. And on top of that, we don't really know if Mikey Garcia is really a true lightweight just yet, you know. Um, he's been he's been put down a couple of times, you know. And this guy, you know, we know this guy. He's facing, you know, he's a very he's a very strong guy. So, you know, that's that's one fight I'm really looking forward to looking um, looking at. So I'm um, I'm I'm going to closely watch this fight. But like you said, I don't think a lot of people should write this guy off just yet. No, me neither. Not at all. Um, as I say, we haven't spoken to you since before the first Crawler and Linares fight. Uh, I think I probably asked you about it last time we spoke, but obviously the fights happened now. The result came out. Linares won. Now the rematch is on for March the 25th. Uh, I've got to ask you, Jamel, how do you see that one unfolding? It seemed like last time Linares had a, a little bit too much for Crawler, but he was, you know, he, he rolled back the years a little bit. He was a brilliant Linares that night. Yeah, I, I watched that fight too. I, I, matter of fact, it's funny. I, I was just watching that fight again last night. <laughs> Oh, okay, because it was a good, it, 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 it was a good, yeah, it was a good fight. It was a good fight, you know. Once I heard, once I heard the, you know, the rematch was official, you know, I just decided to go back and watch the fight again. And um, I got a lot of respect for you know for Anthony. You know, um, you know, we we go back and forth on Twitter. You know, we we um, you know, I, I, we show each other respect. Got a lot of respect for him. Um, I, I've been in the ring with Lenars in terms of sparring when I was an amateur. You know, so I know what he's capable of. 
But I'm actually looking forward to this um this um this next this um the next fight between them. But um, I, I still have to will have to maybe favor you know of course um Linares. But um, you can never take anything away from um Crowler because you know we've seen him been the underdog as a world champion. He's come back to stop guys with body shots. So you know, and he he's um he he has a lot of heart, and he's going to come to fight. And I know he's he's not going to um try to um you know disappoint the, um the crowd at home. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that fight. But uh, you know, I slightly just give it to um you know Lenares in terms of you know overall skill and technique. But like I said, you can never count crawl out. Yeah, of course. And is there any other fights that you're looking forward to and want to give an opinion on? Um, I believe um I believe a fight was just announced between um you know. Turbo, <laughs> um, who was he? Who um, before he fought? Before he had, he had basically had the winner had to had to fight um, Rodeo. But um, I forgot. Now I'm forgetting who who he um who they just announced that he was fighting, fighting before that. Uh, before that, um, that Petrov. Yeah. Pe- oh yeah. That's yeah yeah. Um, who's um uh, you know another tough Russian. You know he um comes to fight. But um, that, that's that's going to be actually a good um a good fight that people are probably not you know paying closely attention to as well because um you know they're both good fighters. So um that like I said, um, Terry Flanagan you know versus Petrov um that's that's going to be um another good fight. So you know the lightweight division may not get as much hype as maybe the welterweight division, but you can you know some of these guys in the in the division that I'm in you know are really good fighters and a lot of good fights is going to be coming out you know this, this up, coming up this year. Absolutely, and I hope that your name's involved in a few of them. Yes, I'm hoping for that too, and I'm I, I'm pretty confident in it. I'm pretty like I said, once I get back on the ball, and um, I flip the out, you know, I'll probably fighting um again another three to four months after this fight, you know, just to get back on a fast track, and then we'll go from there. But um, you know, I'm I'm really excited as a fan for for one to see all these great fights, you know, overall in boxing, and then, like I said, um, especially with the um, the Leo Santa Cruz and Carl Frampton, I got I, I you know. I fell in love with Carl Frampton as a fan, you know, this, you know, over the past few years, you know, and I'm cool and I'm very cool with Leo Santa Cruz, so that's a, that's a tough one for me. But you know, I'm excited to see this fight coming up. So, you know, like I said, you you know, I always showed a lot of respect to the, you know, the a lot of the UK fighters out there. You know, more 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 and more talents coming out the UK, and I'm you know, I'm, really, I'm really excited because it makes boxing as a whole, you know, great. Yeah, it truly does. I've got to ask you now, who do you see winning that one, uh, the main event on the weekend, Frampton Santa Cruz? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you dropped oh, yourself. Oh, man. Yeah, I did, man. It, it, like, I, I told you, it's tough. It's tough, you know, and I'm kind of edging into, you know, the Frampton, but, you know, I would love to see a rubber match, you know, a, a trilogy. So, um, but um, like I said, um, you know, Frampton just has like, you know, I love Frampton because he just has that that great. He's a boxer, you know, and I, you know, that, that's that's me, you know, I'm a pure boxer, you know, and and I just love his technique and form. But you know, I believe, um, Leo Santa Cruz is saying he's gonna he's gonna have a different approach. So I'm looking for a great fight. But like I said, you you had you can't you know you have to lean more towards you know Frampton on this one as well. Yeah, that's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> okay, listen, Jamel, it's always a pleasure, my man. You know that yourself. Thank you so much always. for giving us a bit of your time. Best of luck for February 10th, and we'll catch up again very soon. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely catch up at the day and see what's next. But it was always great talking with you, man. You take care out there. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part is the preview part where we're going to talk about the fights that are coming up this weekend now we're going to start with a card happening at the fantasy springs casino in california usa top of the bill over there francisco vargas 23 and 0 with two draws a mexican that really you know he leaves it all in the ring this guy can seriously seriously fight and he's a bit of a warrior he takes on miguel burchelt who is the guy that we spoke about just briefly he took on george jupp we talked about that in the news George Jupp fighting uh, Mitchell Smith in the rematch. So Miguel Burchelt, very, very uh, hard puncher. 30-1 and one his record, uh, just the one loss. So f- of those 30 wins, he can seriously bang. You know, he's got a lot of knockouts. Um, Francisco Vargas, as I said, a bit of a warrior. Francisco Vargas putting his WBC World Super Featherweight title on the line. This is a fight that I think is coming at the right time for... Burchelt, to be honest. I know that Burchelt has, has had the more fights, but I think Francisco Vargas, in the short career that he's had, he's had 25 fights, in that time, 
he has been in quite a few wars. He's been a bit too involved in some of his fights. And I think a fighter that, like Burchelt, who can bang, can certainly bang, that's really his main tool. There's a possibility here that he could catch Francisco Vargas at the right time. But Francisco Vargas, at the same time, I'm not saying that he's on a downer or he's on bad form. He's been brilliant. You know, he can definitely drag you into a dogfight. And if that happens, then Burchelt really hasn't been tested in that way. So, definitely intriguing stuff on that fight there. Um, Takashi Mura is also on the bill. He's record 30-3 and three with two draws. He takes on Miguel Roman, who has a record of 56 wins and 11 losses this one's at super featherweight for a 12 round contest so i'm sure the winner of that will definitely be eyeing up the winner of vargas and burchelt uh, also on the bill saddam ali 23 and 1 he looks to pick up his 24th career win it's a 10 rounder at welterweight against jorge silva 22 12 and 2 his record um lamont roach is also on the bill he's 12 and 0 at the moment he's in an eight rounder at lightweight uh, that's really it for Fantasy Springs, to be honest. But another big fight card in the USA. This is the main fight card of the week for me anyway. A fantastic, fantastic bill here. Uh, I'm going to start with the undercard. David Benavidez, 16-0. He takes on Shirali Mamajunov. I think I've got that right. His record 14-1. A decent little fight here. But David Benavidez seems to be a pretty good fighter. That's an eight-rounder at super middleweight, that one. Ivan Redcatch is also on the bill. He's record 19-2 and two with one draw. A good fighter, but, you know, came up short against Tevin Farmer, who's a friend of the show. So uh, we're definitely uh, more friends with Tevin Farmer than we are Ivan Redcatch. But he's a good fighter nonetheless, so that should be a decent fight. It's an eight-rounder at lightweight. Josh Taylor also on the bill. The Scots, who's really on form right now. A lot of banter between him and O'Hara Davis at the moment on Twitter. It's, it's become quite spicy. It really has. Josh Taylor, 7-0 and at the moment. Uh, he takes on Alfonso Olvera, who has a record of 8-2 and two with one draw. It's a 10-rounder at super lightweight, 140. Josh Taylor looks to move to 8-0, and, and I'm sure he will. And there's three world title fights on this bill. That's what makes it brilliant. Lee Selby, 23-1. and one. He takes on Jonathan Victor Barros, really experienced man, 41-4 and four with one draw. He's seen better days, but Lee Selby knows he cannot underestimate these type of opponents, especially when he's fighting over in the States. You know, he's, he's he hasn't looked so solid in his recent few fights, Lee Selby, if we're being honest. He puts his IBF World Featherweight title on the line. 12-rounder. I cannot wait for this one. I really cannot wait for this entire card. Uh, Dijon Zlatikanin's on the bill. I'm not sure if I pronounce that right, but his record is 22-0. and 0. I, Again, that, that brilliant win that he got over Ricky Burns as well. Uh, he takes on a guest who was on our show last week, Mikey Garcia, 35-0. These guys combine records, 57-0. Somebody's always got to go. It's for the WBC World Lightweight Championship. Dijon Zlatikanin really seeming... Um, to be a good fighter, you know, since that Ricky Burns win, he's just gone on and on and on, and he's he's been really impressive, he really has, and he can fight, I'm telling you, but Mikey Garcia, uh, you know, a guy that was out of the ring for quite a while, this is only his second fight back from a long layoff, a really long layoff, uh, many months, and it could be a little bit too quickly for him, in my, com in my completely honest opinion, even though he got a stoppage win in his last fight, he didn't look overly impressive, he looked a bit rusty. I've got to be honest. I hope that Mikey Garcia can get the job done. You know, he's he's part of our show. He, he's he's on every single show. You know, he's the first or he's the second voice that you listen to now when you turn the show on. The first voice is Michael Buffer. But you know, Mikey Garcia, he's been there with us from day one. So we definitely wish him the best of luck. And it'll be brilliant if he can win the WBC world title, which will mean he'll become a free weight world champion, which will be you know. It's brilliant, brilliant stuff. It really is. So Mikey Garcia is a brilliant fighter, but Zlatik Cannon's on form, so there's a lot of intrigue for that fight there. And top of the bill, Carl Frampton, 23-0. He's taken on Leo Santa Cruz, 32-1 with the one draw. It's for Leo Santa Cruz's old belt. It's currently Carl Frampton's. It's the WBA Super World Featherweight Championship. Carl Frampton and Leo Santa Cruz, as last year they had one of the fights of the year. Carl Frampton become Ring Magazine's Fighter of the Year, mainly because of that win. Obviously, of course, of you know the win over Scott Quigg as well in early last year. Ayaz, the first fight was brilliant. I think that Carl Frampton just nicked it. Some people feel that Leo Santa Cruz just nicked it. It was a brilliant fight. Nobody can say that it wasn't. This time around, Ayaz, talk to me. 
How is this fight going to go, in your opinion? I personally reckon it's going to be a much... I reckon it's going to be a much wider decision to Frampton. I reckon Frampton's just going to box and move him. Definitely. Um, do you think that... Because, remember, last time, as I say, Carl Frampton and and Leo Santa Cruz put on such a brilliant fight. A lot of rounds could have gone either way. Um, you're saying that you reckon he's going to conclusively outpoint him. Do you reckon there's any chance he can get a stoppage over Leo Santa Cruz? Or do you think Leo Cruz is just that tough that you can't see a stoppage here? Leo Santa Cruz is that tough. I won't be able to see a stoppage. I can see, I can see a wide points decision. Okay, so you can't see anything else, just a wide points one, yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Carl Frampton. We know he's got dynamite sometimes in 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 both hands, but um, yeah, I think Leo Santa Cruz is is too much of a warrior. It's that Mexican blood in him that um, that probably won't see him stopped. But I've heard some people predicting a Carl Frampton stoppage. Uh, obviously, on last week's show, I had to ask Mikey Garcia, who do you think is going to win? First time round when we interviewed him, when he come on our show uh, last year sometime, early last year, um, the first fight was coming around, and I said to him, who do you reckon is going to win? And he said he thought that Leo Santa Cruz was going to probably win against Carl Frampton. This time, he, he's saying it's an absolute 50-50. He cannot give us a prediction winner. So, um, yeah, you know... Even people that like the biggest fans of Leo Santa Cruz are realizing how much of a threat Carl Frampton has seemed to be to Leo Santa Cruz. Um, Leo Santa Cruz, I don't actually think fought to the best of his ability in that in that last fight, and I actually don't think Carl Frampton fought to the best of his ability. They both, it's it's strange to say it, but because they both didn't fight uh, to the best of their ability, in my personal opinion, it made for such a brilliant fight. I've seen Carl Frampton a lot sharper than that. He was brilliant. Don't worry, you know. Don't get me wrong. He was brilliant, but he stayed in the pocket sometimes a little bit too long. Carl Frampton, and I know that you know he's he's a shorter man. He's a smaller man physically. He's coming up in weight, but I think this time around, I think he's had time to to fill into the weight almost. I think we're going to see him a lot more solid. I really, really do. I really, really do, and I think that uh, Leo Santa Cruz. He's going to probably be on the end of a wide uh, points a points decision. I really think he's going to uh, probably lose this on points, in my, in my honest opinion. I think Carl Frampton is going to just have a little bit too much for him. I think that, uh, you know, Shane McGuigan is on fire right now. And I think that um, he's the man. He's the man right now. He's the young trainer uh, of world boxing, you can almost say. I think he's... He's going to come with a much better plan. They know Leo Santa Cruz very well now. I like the fact that there's a lot of respect between both men. It's great sportsmanship on show every single time we see him close up. So um, yeah, a lot. You know, it's great to see all the respect there. Not the respect that we've seen um, between Scott Quigg and Carl Frampton. But um, yeah, I cannot wait. I really cannot wait for this one Saturday night, which I'm so so looking forward to. Absolutely cannot wait. But that's really it for the previewing. So before we welcome our first guest, there's a little segment that has escaped us for a little a little while. You know, there was a a little while we were doing every week. We were bringing you in with the funniest names that we could find that were fighting that week or had fought that week. And then for a while we couldn't find any funny ones and we thought we can't keep doing this every week, but we've actually found some decent fighters this week. Um there's a fight happening uh, no, actually, it's, it's already took place, sorry. Uh, this one was in the Hilton Hotel in South Korea. A man who was on the wrong end of a split decision over four rounds. A man called Bum Lee. And he wasn't a bum, because he actually was 2-0. and oh. He was undefeated going into this fight. He actually fought a guy who was 7-4. and four. And a lot of people thought Bum Lee was going to get the win here. But it wasn't to be his night. It really, really wasn't. And also, a card that took place over in USA. This one was in the Masonic Temple in Detroit, Michigan. A man who we should mention, a man called Jacob Boners, was in a four-rounder. I don't really know how, I can't remember what his result was now, but he fought a guy who had zero wins. So we hope that uh, Jacob Boners come through that. Uh, pretty strong. Uh, also, over in Canada, there was there was a name that that, that stuck out to me. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended about the boner name, but uh, there was a guy over in Canada, Ayaz Hussein, which I'm convinced Ayaz is some sort of relative of yours. We've seen him um, 
go through his career unbeaten until just recently he actually lost. But he's actually in the eight rounder this weekend. So Ayas Hussein is eleven and one. He takes on a guy who's sixteen and four. It's at super lightweight. Ayas, that's even around about your weight category. I think that deep down this man's related to you. <laughs> no way. Uh, also in Indonesia this week, a man called Handsome Tiger. A handsome Tiger. Uh, he's taking on a guy called Fanfa Naduwai. Now, you know, Handsome Tiger probably is going to win win it this week. He's actually, he's boasting the record of 7-0. and This one's a six-rounder at Bantamweight. Uh, I think that's it for the funny names. Uh, I've got a feeling there might be one more somewhere. Uh, give me just one second. Um, oh, no, this one actually is not a funny name, but uh, this one is a, a surname, Ayaz, that I cannot believe is real. Okay, this guy's surname has, let me just count that, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 characters in his surname. So I'm going to have a crack at this, Ayaz. Um, actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, send it to your screen. I'm actually, um, we, we can both have a crack at it, but how would you say this name is pronounced, Ayaz? And I'll give you a minute here. This is a name that um, <laughs> simply he needs a nickname. If he's ever going to become a good fighter, he needs a nickname. How would you how would you pronounce that name? The name is Manot City M Sakanakon Panom. <laughs> I would actually pronounce that as Manop. Uh, I'm, we're happy with Manop. That's his first name, Manop. Easy, but the, the surname I'd say that is Sifium Saknak. Hon Panom, yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably the similar sort of pronunciation as your one, but yeah, that name definitely needs to be shortened if he's ever going to go anywhere in the sport. Uh, his record at the minute is zero wins and three losses. So always these guys with the funny names who have got such bad records, it really is. And I think there's one last one left. Uh, it's a guy in Japan, actually. Uh, his, his first name is Shota, and his second name is Kobayashi. Uh, you know, anyone who... Who, who's called Kobayashi, possibly some sort of connection with Kobayashi Porcelain, definitely gets a shout-out here. Um, I've always said that uh, Al Heyman is the Kaiser Soze of the boxing world, and we've got a Kobayashi as well just to join him. It'd be brilliant if those two joined up and somehow he, he managed to get in that ever-growing uh, <laughs> ever Al Heyman stable. But um, the winner, I'm definitely... The, the winner I've got to give it to for this week for the funny name fighter has to be handsome tiger so as i think we're gonna have to give him a round of applause so if we uh if we put our mics down and uh, give it a little clap so if you join me as excellent stuff excellent stuff well done handsome tiger seven and oh we wish him all the best over in indonesia on this weekend and that's really it for part two that's all the rambling done we've done part one we've done the review we've done the news part two we've done the preview we've done the funny name segment it's returned you might have liked it you might have hated it i'm sorry if you hated it i hope you liked it uh, let us know on twitter at box heart podcast there's one last thing to do before we end part two and end the show essentially and that is to welcome as always our second and final guest Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man that's only been a pro for four months, and in that time he's already free and oh. It's of course Mr. Sonny Edwards. Sonny, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me, Joe. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure, my man. Now, Sonny, each week on our show we talk about the you know the latest boxing news. We intentionally left out your piece of news so that you could tell our listeners yourself. So, Sonny, what piece of news have you been involved in today, my friend? Um, well, I'm pleased to announce that I have signed a long-term promotional contract with Frank Warren and the Queensbury Promotions. Um, I will still be under the guidance of um, MTK, Matt Denise, formerly known as Matt Plinge, Jim Marbella. So still the same management, but um, I'm just looking forward to getting pushed in the right direction by Frank Warren and Boxmation BT Sports. Excellent stuff, man. Excellent stuff. I was going to ask you if you were still involved with MGM or MTK um, managerially, so uh, that is the case, yeah? Yep. Okay. I'm still with managers um, for, well, as long as I can have them, really, until they get bored of me and get rid of me. <laughs> 
brilliant, brilliant. So you've signed with Frank Warren. Frank has been on form this week, you know, with signings coming out of his ears and huge announcements oh, as well. Um, how excited are you for your future with Frank Warren? Well, um, I'm in a, a brilliant, brilliant place right now. Obviously, I've got a big, strong support from MTK behind me. And with the Frank Warren promotions, like Greensboro promotions, MTK and Frank Warren, they work very well together. Like at the back end of last year, you saw a few of the smaller, the smaller shows. Um, M, well, back then, MGM Scotland had a, I think it was the Paisley Centre, was live on Box Nation. Um, so I think then the ballpark numbers about 32 to 36 shows promoted by Frank Warren will be broadcasted live in 2017, which is just an absolute massive amount. It's just Great for TV exposure, good for the boxers on the on the book. And um, when obviously making a decision and sort of summing up the options, I, I think, I don't quite know, but I think that's around double what Matrim are offering. And don't get me wrong, Matrim are such a, a great, great stable, but when you've got so many boxes, there's only so much TV time there. So I think for the better option for me, definitely going down the Frank Warren route. And I've got to ask you this, Sonny. Um, you've, you know, at the minute you've been sort of fighting once a month, if you like. Have you got any inkling at the minute to when you're next out? Um, I'm not sure of too much I can say because obviously there's still things to go through. But I'm looking to be out in London in around the May time. Okay. Um, actually, my first TV show. Obviously, nothing's confirmed yet, but that's um sort of what we we're, we're getting pushed towards. And um, I've also been told that there's a higher chance of getting out before that. It's there around March, so now I've got about seven weeks for that, and then I'll have another seven weeks on to, to the next fight. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. And um, I've got to ask you this as well. I remember ha- actually having a conversation with, with your brother Charlie a uh, while before you turned pro, um, and he just sort of said, like, you know, when you was ready to turn pro, which at the time you wasn't a pro, you were still amateur, he said that he'd expect Eddie Hearn to sign you. I just had to ask you, was there any approach from Eddie Hearn or nothing at all? Um, it's simple as really. When I first went, when I first turned over, uh, we had a little speech, um, a little speak, um, and it sort of got. I signed straight away with MGM. MGM, oh sorry, MTK. They look after me an unreal amount. Um, they support me. They're guiding my career. They're getting me good fights, tough fights early on. But obviously, they think I'm very capable. Um, they've obviously just landed this very, very good contract with Warren I'm getting looked after from the off I'm in a position where I can train full time I can just live boxing and well obviously I pay my 15% as does every other boxer that's the standard rate to MTK so I'm going to let them manage me how they manage me um, and if they tell me that they think that going down the Warren BT Box Nation route is better for me I'm going to listen to them otherwise I might as well manage myself or go to somewhere else um don't get me wrong, of course there's um there's like a pull factor with Eddie Hearn, Sky Sports. Everyone thinks it's reliable. But now I think BT Sport has completely turned on its head and the 2017 is going to be so exciting to see how the public grasp onto regular shows. I believe, don't quite be insane again, but BT Sport seems to be showing full cards, like when they've had the UFC and stuff on there, they show like long, they show all the undercards, you know what I mean? They show more hours maybe then Sky Sports will usually put on about three hours from eight to 11 or that's only about four or five fights max so I think it would just be I think it's good all round for the boxers to be with Warren right now fair enough fair enough and it has to be said Sonny and I don't want to cause any grief but Frank Warren's already got another flyweight by the name of Prince Patel now you're stable he's got loads he's got got, um, you know we got we got to bring Prince Patel's name into it now you're stable that's one of the biggest that's one of the biggest reasons I want to go over Frank Warren, so I can get that fight as soon as possible. Southern area title, English title, Tesco mill deal, whatever it is, I would love to box in. Like, it, it would not matter any rounds. Obviously, I'd like to get him in the 10, 12 rounds. Maybe for some, even a Southern area title would be bang on because obviously we're both from the South. Um, apart from Charlie, he's obviously my brother, that sort of rules him out, really. Um, there's not really anyone else from you know, London flyweight of any merit. I think Sammy Cantwell, I'm not sure if he's still boxing. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's definitely a fight I'd absolutely love. I'm sure a lot of people would get behind that. A bit of TV time, a bit of media, 
but I'm open to that fight, and actually I'm gunning for that fight. Whenever it comes up, I'll snatch it with both hands. Ever since I turned pro, before I turned pro, I've been asking for that fight. I was meant to be entering the same weight as him in the amateurs. The year I won my senior ABA title, he turned pro three weeks or a month before or something silly like that. But yeah, there's so much needle there, and there's a genuine dislike between both of us. It's mutual. Um, don't get me wrong, he puts himself across as a bit of a bellend, but everyone knows why he's doing it. He's trying to sort of, you know, be that controversial, get people talking about him, and it's worked to a certain extent. But when you rob Brett Fido, who deserved the draw, bang on the money, when it was 39-38 on a home show, come on, we all know what that means. Um, and then I went on to beat Brett Fido. Um, when he gets a, an actual draw against a Spanish journeyman, don't get me wrong, I agree, he's tough. And, you know what I mean? Charlie didn't have it all his own way of him, but Charlie put him down twice, I believe. He won every round, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, you're speaking all this. You've gone quiet now because obviously not all the results have gone your way. And from what it looks from the outside looking in, obviously I don't know his personal dealings with Frank Warren, but he's not been on no big shows. He's got no coverage. He's in boxing in, uh, where is it, like Harwich or Norwich or somewhere. You know what I mean? Somewhere, nowhere. So I would love that fight, but whether it happens or not, whether he'd take it or not, it's a different story. I actually thought that now, you know, being both under the Frank Warren uh, banner, that you, we might see some sort of friendship between you both now. <laughs> what sparring partners, yeah? Travelling around the world together? Nah, I don't think so. Because <laughs> you got to remember, there's just on the Frank Warren books, um, if we're talking fly and super fly, if we're being like a bit facetious there, you've got me, you've got Paddy Barnes, you've got, obviously he's of MGM as well, you've got Joe Mafosa, who I'm... Boxing the amateurs, good fighter. You've got obviously Prince Patel. Then you've got a new kid, five and zero, Brad Foster. I've never heard of him, but I see him popped up. I think he signed. Then obviously you've got the suit. You've got Kevin Satchel. Sorry, you got you know you guys. There's quite a few out there. Yeah. And being on the same promoter just makes them fights a lot easier to happen. And yeah. personally, I think being a flyweight in Warren's stable seems a lot more exciting than being a flyweight in. Eddie Hearns because the only one I can think of on top of my head is my brother yeah. you can correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think he's got another flyweight no. so um, yeah this sort of makes sense for me really I mean yeah Kauya who comes to mind but uh, oh but it's, super, yeah Superfly yeah Superfly yeah, yeah. No, but, no you're right I think uh, Warren's got a lot more um, guys around those type of weights to be honest so yeah you're right in what yeah. you're saying um I've got to ask you, how is Charlie doing, Sonny? I haven't spoke to him for quite a while. Obviously, we were both at his last fight, me and you, uh, sitting together yeah. for a little moment. Do you know what? That's funny, that. I haven't spoke to him much either. Ever since he's been with Adam Booth, boys, he sort of don't pick up the phone anymore. Oh, well, nah, he money picked up the phone before that, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> nah, but no, he, yeah, he, he's flying. He closed he's the flying. year on a high, obviously, in the end. Yeah. Any idea when you he know what? out at all? Um, I'm not too sure. I would, If I was guessing, I'd say March, late March, early April somewhere around that time um, I'm looking forward to seeing his development under Adam obviously we don't we don't train together we live in we live 250 miles away we speak most days though don't get me wrong um, and from the videos he's shown me he's like he's coming on nice and well getting more relaxed which he definitely needs to do um, I think that's he's had that like sort of criticism throughout his career he's a bit not uptight but he sort of he sort of looks agitated he looks always on the move he looks trying to use his work rate constantly don't get me wrong you'll struggle to find a harder trainer or fitter boxer out there than him but he tries to use every inch of that fitness which can get predictable and it can leave you open and you know what I mean if someone else is conditioned as well and they don't fall off like do you know what I mean so it would be nice to see how Adam Booth who I think is a master tactician who gets the game plan right nine times out of ten from just results they speak for themselves but I'm looking forward to seeing him out, seeing how he's progressed. Yeah, me too. Adam Booth is a brilliant trainer, definitely. Um, finally, I just wanted to, to get your opinion on a couple of upcoming fights. I've got two for you. Uh, I know one that you, you'd definitely be watching. I know that you, you know, you're you a bit of a fan of uh, of Carl Frampton. You're going to be staying up on the weekend for him and Santa Cruz? I don't know, really. I might just, what I seem to be doing more these days, because I've been training every single day at early camp. I usually sort of try and wake up find it about looking at the result and then having a little crack down at about 8, 9 in the morning but just, uh, don't get me wrong I think Carl Rampton is a fantastic fighter I think 
probably one of the best Britain has to offer. If we can claim him as British, I don't know how he stands on that. Um, but obviously, Ireland, fantastic fighter. But my problem is more of his opponent. It might be quite controversial. I think he's been sold to be a lot better than he possibly is. Personally, that's my personal opinion. I think if Frampton was to really win me over, he'd jump in someone like Rigondo. You know I mean, when they when they both had titles, but that's just me personally. And I don't know. I just think it'll get, it's going to be very similar to the last fight, sort of nip and tuck, but then sort of Frampton sort of getting down at the stretch and sort of outboxing him, which really for the money you'd be getting paid for it. And he knows the opponent. They've shared twelve rounds with him. Yeah, I think I think he'll definitely come away the winner again. I don't see Santa Cruz bringing anything but high work rate, and you know what I mean, a high like high pace, and it didn't really phase him too much the first time so will it phase him the second time I'm not too sure yeah. and the other fight I've got to ask you about uh, I've been asking this to everyone it doesn't really matter which weight you're in or anything uh, Anthony Joshua <laughs> Vladimir Klitschko oh first and foremost I know he's got the name Klitschko but I don't think he he deserves a shot really at a world title after coming off a loss um, that's my first opinion on that fight and my second is is Confidence is a massive thing, and the way he's not been back in the ring, coming off a loss, like a frustrating loss as well, because I know a lot of people sort of sang Tyson Fury's praises, and like they was like fascinated that he dethroned this sort of formidable opponent in Klitschko. And I don't get me wrong, I like moving and boxing, but it was just like Klitschko weren't off for the first ten rounds, and only started throwing punches in eleven and twelve, caught him once or caught him once or twice, and that, and that was the fight over. He blinked and you missed it. Like so, I don't know. I think Joshua, if he lands and lands again. I think Klitschko will fall apart, but you can't write Klitschko off because he has got the dynamite in both hands. It's just whether I think Joshua is a bit too sharp, a bit too strong, a bit too fresh for Klitschko. And I think that will pay a complete dividend. Mm, he's a tough one, man. I mean, for me anyway, I think that, um, uh, you know, obviously Klitschko was the man and then, and then Fury dethroned him, as you said. And then with Fury's absence now, we still got a kind of, you know, without Fury at the minute in the picture, you've got to kind of say, who's the man then? Well, really, he's sort of got to be Klitschko, isn't it? Because he's only lost to a guy who's no longer boxing at the minute. So without Tyson Fury there, he's kind of still the man to beat. So, um, But I think, Joshua beats, I think Joshua beats Fury. I don't think... I think when Fury gets caught a couple of times, because what I've seen, I've seen Joshua spar hundreds around. I was on GB. I mean, I've known Joshua for years. Yeah, yeah. I've seen him train. I've seen like how he keeps himself in the body, and he's only had one shaky moment really in his career. That's when Dillian White caught him. He'll be the first one to admit that. And Dillian White is a good friend of mine. I I really like Dillian White. I get on with him very well. But he got caught chasing a quick knockout. He got sort of wrapped up in the whole sort of the bravado of it all, and then he got caught with a brilliant left hook, and that sort of swayed the fight massively but really I don't, I don't see Fury beating Joshua so therefore I'm down with Joshua against Klitschko yeah well fair point fair point we'll have to wait and see anyway. but it's definitely a fight that uh, you know I'm excited for you're excited for and the whole boxing world's excited for to be honest. oh of course it's got a little buzz around it in the next couple of months isn't it definitely man definitely but listen Sonny I just want to thank you so much for giving us a piece of your time we'll definitely uh, no worries no worries for what's next with you and uh, yeah I wish you all the best for the future but no doubt we'll speak again soon anyway yeah definitely and that's a wrap this has been episode 67 I've been your host Joey Coastman Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra a big thank you to our two guests on this week's show Jamel Herring and Sonny Edwards I'd like to wish them both the best of luck for what's ahead in their respective careers the biggest thanks of all goes out to the listeners that tune in each and every week remember you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Box Hard Podcast and if you've got 10 spare seconds please leave us a review on iTunes it's all appreciated wherever you are I hope that you've enjoyed this bite-sized boxing freebie we'll be back next week with another big show as per usual until next time my friends take care